Okay. So we are continuing looking for Jesus in every book of the Bible. Glad you are here. Glad all of our Facebook friends are here. Our Facebook family is here. And our Facebook family and social, net and social media family is growing and increasing. Amen. And uh, some of you need to go and, and look at our Facebook page and see the numbers rising. And we're grateful for everybody that's choosing to be in this study with us, looking to see Jesus Christ in every book of the Bible. And that makes the that makes Bible study exciting and, 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 and helps us to understand and draws us closer to God. Because through it, we see how much he loves us, how much he keeps working things out for us. He, keep, he keeps showing us that no matter what it looks like right now, he's still up to something good, amazing, awesome, and wonderful in all of our lives. Amen. How many of our lives? in all of our lives. And so we've been, so we've been looking uh, in every book of the Bible. Now we, we're, we're looking at three books at one time. We're looking at Ezra, and we were going in order until we got to Ezra one. We got to Ezra, and, and then there is, uh, 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 what comes after Ezra? Bible scholars. See, you were waiting for me to tell you, right? Esther, and then what comes after Esther? Nehemiah, right? And as we've been studying in the book of Ezra, we found out that we could really take the book of Esther and put it inside the book of Ezra after chapter 6, because between chapter 6 of Ezra and chapter 7 of Ezra, there's a big gap of years, as Pastor said, 58 years, and in that space of time was Queen Esther and her experience and the victory that she gained for her people. So we've been studying all three at one time because they are all interconnected. And so last week, we, I shared a lot about Esther and, and what the word says about Esther, and I gave you an assignment. Mm-hmm, somebody said, mm-hmm, okay. And does anybody remember what the assignment was? Read the book of Esther because I didn't have time to go through all of it last time, right? Because I would have kept y'all here for three hours. But I didn't, so you be tell the Lord thank you, right? Okay, so, you, so how many had opportunity to read the book of Esther? How, no matter how much, okay? You get credit if you did any of it. So how many, anybody read in the book of Esther? Okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So keep on reading. Keep on reading. The first six is good, and the last seven or eight are good too, all right? So finish reading the book of Esther. I hope that as you read on your own, the Lord began to reveal more things to you about not just Esther, not just about that period in, in uh, Jewish history, but in your own life. Amen? Amen. Amen. And it's all right to be a smart girl. Didn't we learn that about Esther? Yes. yes, 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 yes. Beautiful and smart is a dynamic duo combination. Amen? So, so let's continue in this study and uh, review a little bit, and then we're going to go forward and see if we can bring Nehemiah into our study tonight. Okay? So, we talked about Ezra. Who was Ezra? 
He was a priest, okay? And uh, he was a priest. And he was responsible for doing what? Carrying, okay, and he was also responsible for carrying out the wishes of the king, and he was one of the leaders that, in, number one, he wrote the book, right? Okay, he wrote the book. What was the name of the book he wrote? What book did Ezra write? Ezra. <laughs> it's not a trick question. <laughs> He wrote the book of Ezra, and in the book of Ezra, he communicates about the return of the, of the Jewish people back to their promised land, back to Judah, back to the land the Lord promised to give to them. And he tells the story of their return. And in reading it, we find out that uh, they didn't all go back at one time. You remember that? They didn't all go back at one time. Um, in fact, there were, there were three returns. Okay, and Ezra writes about uh, all of those returns, but he wasn't, a, he wasn't there for all of the returns, but he wrote about them. He wrote about the first return of a large group of his people back to their homeland, back to, to Jerusalem, and um, he wrote about it, and, um, but he wasn't present for it. And so then he wrote about the, time, the period when he was present for it. Okay, and so um, before he uh, led people back there on the second return, in that gap of time was the experience of Queen Esther, right? And how did they get to go back to their, their homeland in the first place? They had, been in, they had been in bondage, they had been carried away to, to Babylon, they had been carried away to Assyria, and now they're getting to go back. How did that happen? Cyrus became the king of Persia because the Persians overran the Babylonians and now the Persians are large and in charge and uh, their king, Cyrus, um, the Lord gave them favor and he released them, the, the nation of Israel, he released the people of Israel to return to their homeland, okay? And so he released them to return to their homeland. Now, how long did that take? Hmm? How long did it take? It took, it took many, many years, right? Um, and so the first group went back. How many went back with, in the first group? About 50,000 of them went back in the first group. And, and where did they get the resources to go back? Cyrus, Cyrus made people give offerings, okay, and, and gave a whole bunch of stuff himself. He gave gold and silver and, and animals and all this so that when they got back to their native land, they would have something to start with, reestablish themselves with, and begin and rebuild their what? Their temple, okay? And so, and so he did all of that. So, how far away were they? They were, they were in Babylon, they are going back to Jerusalem. How far? How many miles? Mm. You remember 800? 800 miles. 
And how, and how did they get back? They had to walk. So how long did that take? A long time, right? Months. Okay. And so they returned uh, to their native land and they, they go there to reestablish themselves and they did that. Okay. And that took them, they, it took them a long time to get back there and then to begin to reestablish yourself in a new place. Does that happen overnight? No. They had to reestablish themselves. Uh, did they go and see, you know, uh, could they rent a room? Hmm? No. Did they see if there's any apartments available? No. Okay. So what did they have to do? Start from scratch, right? They may have been, when they got back to, to Jerusalem, back to their neighborhood, what did they find? They were like, we want to go back. They went back, and what did they find when they got back? It was ruined. How long had it been laying there ruined? Hmm? It, had been, it had been vacant for 50 years. So they had a lot of work to do, right? They had a lot of work to do. And, and so while they're in the, back in Jerusalem, back in, Ju in Judah, rebuilding their, their lives, rebuilding the temple, what's going on back in Babylon? What's going on back in Babylon was the, the rise of new kings and the, the story of Queen Esther, okay? And how that uh, she was able to save her what? her people as well as herself. And she used great wisdom and great skill. But first, what did she do before she used wisdom and skill? She prayed and fasted, okay? Because when kings come into to power, how long do they stay in power? Hmm? Sometimes they get overthrown. So, so sometimes it's till they get overthrown, right? What else? How, sometimes they get killed. Okay? And, and, and if we think in, in generational terms, what would be, what would be a, a ballpark number of years that the average king would stay in office if he did right and didn't get killed off? Talking about a lifespan of a person. So, so by how long could it be? Couldn't do it 70 years because you've got to grow up first, right? 40, about 40 years, okay? So, so, so there was more than one king in that gap of time. The first group went. They're there trying to rebuild the, the temple, trying to rebuild their lives, their homes, all of that reestablish themselves. Years and years and years and years and years are passing by, okay? So, so back in Babylon, the Persian king is taken over, and uh, we talked about him and Vashti, and you know, she was a sister girl, and all that, <laughs> and uh, uh, through all of that, Esther rose to become the queen, okay? Anybody have a question about Esther before we keep, before I go a little bit further, because I want to go on. All right. And, and, and how did we see Jesus 
in the book of Esther. Okay? There was deliverance. Okay? And who is our deliverer? Jesus the Christ. Okay? So that was him working before, we ever, before we, he ever showed up in the flesh. Because did he, did he already exist? Yes. Yes. Okay? In heaven he was already in existence. Okay. All right. So, let's... Let's go a little further tonight, okay? Because Ezra uh, leads the second group of people of his nation back to, um, back to their promised land. And, but there were still many of them that were still in Babylon, still under Persian authority, um, still in bondage, and they needed, they needed somebody else to lead the third group and the final return of the children of Israel back to their homeland. And guess who that was? Nehemiah. Okay, did y'all study the Bible? <laughs> Nehemiah, right? He was the third person to lead, to lead some of his people back to their homeland. Okay, now, who was Nehemiah? Does anybody know? Hmm? He was the king's cupbearer. And he was, and, and what did the cupbearer have to do? Does anybody know? He had to bear the cup. What does that mean? Okay. What? Oh, yes. Whatever the king ate or drank, he had to eat and drink it first, so that the king would know it was safe. Why do kings do that? <laughs> because everybody didn't love the king. Okay, and the king was surrounded by captive people. Okay, there there were people under the king who were in what? slavery, bondage. So the king had a cupbearer to, to make sure that uh, when he ate and drank, he was, going, he was still going to be alive. Okay, so Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer. And in that period of time, the cupbearer was not just the person who tasted the food and drank the wine and the water and all that. He was also an administrator. So he was the person who was running the house, so to speak. He was large and what? Large and in charge. That's who he was. And while he was large and in charge and serving, um, he, he was, uh, came before the king looking sad. And in that period of time, it was not allowed to come into the presence of the king looking sad. How come? Why? Make him sad, right? Pull him down, okay? And so he, he wanted the people in his circle, in his presence, to, to bring him what? Joy, happiness, celebration, peace. And so that's what he wanted. 
But Nehemiah came on a particular day looking sad. And the king asked him why he was, and what did he say? He was, he was looking kind of sad because... Okay, because he was longing for his homeland. He knew that people had gone back and returned and, and uh, rebuilding their homeland, rebuilding the temple, um, and even they were, being, they were even encountering resistance. Because when, we, when they went back to their homeland, they still had, they still had neighbors. Because yes. everywhere you go, you got neighbors. Are all the neighbors lovely? <laughs> and all their neighbors were not. Okay, and so he was, he was longing in his heart to go because he knew the temple was re being rebuilt, but he'd heard, what about the walls of the city? They were torn down. They were, and who was rebuilding them before Nehemiah? Nobody. And he wanted to go do it. So he asked for permission. Did he get permission? He got permission from the king to return and rebuild the walls of the, of the city of Jerusalem. And so that as the temple was being re resurrected, reconstructed, uh, it would be protected from enemies all around the city of Jerusalem. Okay? So that's where we are right now. So I want you, we're going to look at a few passages in the book of Nehemiah. Some of them will be familiar to you. Some of them will be fresh and brand new to you. That's all right. But, but the ones I'm getting ready to show you now, I want you to pay attention to something that they all have in common. Okay? All right? Say yes. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. So let's turn to the book of Nehemiah. And chapter one. Are you there? Chapter one, beginning at verse five. Um, sorry, verse three. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with what? Fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Why would one person be so upset about something going on 800 miles away? Because his people were being affected. Okay? So what was he feeling about his people? that they were hurting. And what did he have in his heart for his people? Love and compassion for his people, okay? Verse five, and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God. Does that mean God was awful? Okay, so in that passage it says terrible. What does terrible really mean there? Awesome, okay? It does, it's not negative. It means awesome. 
O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments, let thine ear now be attentive and thy eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. Okay? All right. That's passage number one. Okay? Passage number two. You ready? Chapter one. Go over to verse 11. Are you there? One eleven. It says, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day and grant him mercy in the sight of this man for I was what? The what? The king's cup bearer. Okay. All right. Another passage. Okay. Turn now to Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 4. And it says, Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity, and cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. Chapter 4, verse 4 and what? Four and verse what? And five. All right. So how many, so we've read three passages, right? Can anybody have a sense of what's similar about them? Yes. In each one, it's prayer. Each one of them is a prayer. Very good. Very good. And why am I pointing that out to you? I'm pointing that out to you because I want you to know and understand that Nehemiah was a man of prayer. And all throughout this book of Nehemiah, uh, there are at least nine passages in that book that are strictly prayer. Why was he praying so much? Because of the love and compassion for his people. Because of the love and compassion for his people. Why else was he praying so much? Why do you pray so much? Relationship. He had a relationship with God. Why else was he praying so much? For direction. Why else was he praying so much? 
because he knew he couldn't do it without God. And it was his custom. It was his custom. And it yielded results. It yielded results. Because before he approached the king and told him why he was sad, he was concerned that the king would say no. So before he even spoke, what did he do first? Prayed. And so when you're in a situation and, 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 and you don't know what to do and you're wondering how it's gonna turn out and you're wondering if it's gonna go your way, what's the first thing you should do if you have a relationship with God? Pray. When my heart is overwhelmed. And the Bible says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Who is the rock that's higher than I? Jesus is the rock that's higher than I. He provides a shelter for us. He provides wisdom for us. He provides answers for us, okay? And as you read through the book of Nehemiah, you'll see prayer after prayer after prayer, okay? Let me show you one more. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And... Um, let me see. Go turn to the next page, chapter four and verse nine. Chapter four, verse nine. Are you there? Okay. Chapter four, verse nine. Let's read it together. Ready, read. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them when day and night because of them, okay? And there he is talking about how to position yourself against the adversary. Making prayer how long? Day and night, okay? And this is where he is talking about uh, <clears throat> overcoming opposition. Because when Nehemiah did return to build the wall around the city of Jerusalem to protect the temple, lots of opposition came. And uh, there were two people in particular that are mentioned in, in this book of the Bible called Sanballat and somebody named Tobiah. And as soon as Nehemiah arrived on the scene, they came, they came straight out and said, no, you can't, no, you won't. So is it common, is it uncommon when you set, up to, set out to do something that as soon as you set out to do it, somebody's right there to say, no, you can't, no, you won't, no, you can't. Exactly. Is that weird or strange? We, we, we sometimes think it is, right? Because we're going, we're going out like me and mine with the best of intentions. We're going forward with the intention of doing good. We're going forward with the intention of not bothering nobody and taking nothing from nobody and trying to do nothing against nobody. All I'm about is doing the good and the right thing. For somebody. For somebody. And soon as, as soon as Nehemiah arrived on the scene, Sambal and Tobiah jumped straight out and said, uh-uh, no you can't and no you won't. So, 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 don't think it's strange when it happens to you. Has it ever happened to you? Was it offensive to you? Yes. 
Was it annoying to you? Was it irritating to you? Do you want to cut somebody? <laughs> yes. And you probably went to the Lord and said, look, Lord, what's the deal? Don't you see? You know I ain't here to mess with nobody. I'm trying to, I'm trying to walk the straight and narrow. I'm trying to be all Christ-like and stuff. And they're messing with me. And they're messing with me. Do you, you, do you know that, that one of the people that came against uh, uh, Nehemiah when he led people back to Israel and their native land, uh, that one of the persons' name was Sam Ballot? Y'all, Bible scholars heard that before, right? Okay, Sam Ballot. Do you know, are you ready for this? Do you know that Sam Ballot's name is a variation of Satan? Did you know that? The enemy is always watching. You're right. Because, because that's his job, right? And, and so if he's always watching and we know he's always watching, then we got to always be praying. praying, staying right aligned with the Lord. That's what Nehemiah had to do. I mean, he's there to, 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 do, to build the wall. He ain't asked nobody for their stuff, nothing. So why is this in the Bible for us? So that we will know when it happens to us, it's not weird, it's not strange. But when we read the rest of the story, it's there to communicate to us that this is normal, that the Lord is always with us. If he gave you something, he's not snatching it back. If you gotta push through, He's guaranteed and promised us that we would get what? Victory. And when we don't really know that, when we've never been really taught that, every time it happens, it's like, man, why am I going through this? Haven't I been through this enough times already? Haven't I been through this enough times already? And for me, I would say, yeah, I've been through this enough times already. I, yeah, I answered the question for myself. I haven't been through this enough times already. So, so why doesn't it stop? Why doesn't it just stop? In this life, you shall have trouble. It doesn't just stop because you have an enemy and you have an adversary who never gets tired never quits, never gives up, is diligent, is persistent to work against you. To work what? Against you. So what do we have to be? Persistent and diligent and prayerful and determined to win. Because if we're not, what happens if we're not? We fall out, we faint, we quit, we give in, we cry, we moan, we groan, we kick, we scream, we say, Lord, I'm mad at you. <laughs> yeah. 
Winnie's already told us what Pastor just said. In this life you shall have trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer. I, I have overcome the world, and you can too. But, but as you're in the process of overcoming the world, what's, what's going to happen? The enemy is going to be on his game. And if you don't know that, then when it comes, it's like, oh man, not again. No, no, you grow to the place where you're like, you're already ready. So, so what kept Nehemiah always ready? Prayer. Prayer, his relationship with the Lord, and his understanding of the process. Say the process. Understanding of the process to victory. Understand the process to winning. Now, Nehemiah was a process person. Nehemiah was a what? He was a process person. Why do I say Nehemiah was a process person? What was his job? Hmm? He was an administrator, right? He was an administrator. So what does an administrator do? A little bit of everything. Always doing what? Processing. processing. Come on now. Always processing. Always. Always processing. So he was a processed person. The Lord is teaching us. He was a processed person. So, so, so for Nehemiah, the, the, the enemy coming against him, he knew that was going to happen. He didn't like it. He didn't feel good about it. It, it, it. it made him sad. It made him mad. It made him frustrated. It made him irritated. It made him upset. It made him tired. But being an administrator, he was a process person, and he knew that there was a process to winning. Because what was he used to doing? Winning. How did he get to be the, the, the palace administrator? He had to know how to do what? Win. Fight and win. Because remember, he was the palace administrator and he was not Persian. And the king was Persian. So, 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 so Nehemiah was not Persian. He was what? Jewish. And so, and so learning the, not just learning the process, but internalizing process will help us because the resistant forces of the adversary are going away in two weeks from now. <laughs> They're not going away in two weeks? Two months? Two years? Well, when is that process going away? It's never going away until when? Until Jesus returns. So in, in, between now and the time Jesus returns, what do we have to do? Pray. Pray. What else? Stay in relationship. Stay in relationship. Because, because Nehemiah prayed and he also what? Turned the plate. Turned the plate. Fasted. 
so he could hear from God, remain what? Remain on assignment, uh, uh, seeking uh, uh, comfort from the Holy Ghost, uh, checking back in with God to say, do, do you still mean for me to do this right here? Because, you know, uh, this, is, this is tough. It's what? Anybody experiencing anything that's tough? So does the Lord understand tough? Yes. yes. And, and Nehemiah is an example of that because he went back to his homeland. He's trying to rebuild the wall around the city to protect the temple. And he's getting all kind of opposition, all kind of crazy stuff is going on. And, 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 and he's trying to corral his people to work. And some of them want to work and some of them don't. Some of them were working, some half working. You ever supervise people who want to half work? Isn't that lovely? All this is happening. But Nehemiah, as we've seen, he's constantly returning to the Lord in prayer, getting comfort, getting help, getting instruction, getting direction, and then what? Say pushing forward. Say pushing forward. Say pushing forward. He kept pushing forward. Because what was he there for? To win. To win. For who? For God. For his people. For the Jewish people. Where did he get his passion for his people from? From God. And the fact that he was raised by godly parents. He was raised by godly Jewish parents that taught him what? The word of God. Taught him the word of God. Okay? So, we see Nehemiah praying, 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 and praying some more. So when you got to pray, pray, pray some more, don't think it's just you. Don't say, well, I'm tired of this praying thing. Because that's what the adversary wants you to do. Quit. Now, because Nehemiah didn't quit, and he was a process person, and he accepted that, that resistance was a part of the process, he knew how to deal with resistance. Push forward, step back when he needed to, get wisdom, listen to God, and keep moving forward, and then taking the next step. Excuse me, the next action step. Say action. 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 Because if you're not taking action, are you going forward? So, so he had to ask for the next action step to take, meaning who do I talk to now? Who do I connect with next? What, what action step do I need to take so that I can go forward because I am destined to win? And Nehemiah was destined to win, okay? All right. So, let's look at another passage. Let's see. Let's look at a passage that you are familiar with. Okay, you like this. Chapter six. Are you there? Nehemiah chapter six. Verse 2, 
It says, that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, come let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me what? Mischief. Verse three, and I sent messengers, so now, so now here's the conflict. The enemy, the enemy is coming against him in this moment. Verse three, Nehemiah is saying, and I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should I leave the work? Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down unto you? Verse four, and they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. So how many of you have seen this passage before that says I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down? Anybody seen that before? Anybody heard that before? Yes, so that I cannot come down. Why should I leave the work? Why should the work cease whilst I come down to you? What, what, what is Nehemiah communicating here? The adversary is coming against him. The adversary is, come on down here and let's talk. And what, is, and what is his response? Well, oh, well okay, wait a minute, wait, just, uh, wait, uh, wait, I'm, all right, I'm, I'm gonna give y'all 15 minutes. Is that what he said? Is that what he did? Why? He was on assignment, he was doing a great work, he, and did he know who it was that he was talking to? The devil, the adversary, the enemy, the resistors. And he had discernment, okay? He knew their track record, okay? You ever had people want to say, oh, let's, well, come on, just come on over and we can talk. <laughs> okay. So, so when that happens, what, what, what should your, be, your response be? The devil is a lie. Right? Right? And so, in essence, is that what Nehemiah is saying? Yes. Is he saying, y'all crazy? Is that what he's saying? Y'all crazy. I ain't coming down there. Not. Why, why is he so bold to say, I can't come down? Because he knows. He knows who he's talking to. Because he knows who he's talking to? He knows what they're up to. He knows what they've always been up to. Some of y'all talk to the same people over and over and you already know what they're up to. Some of you talk to people the same, the same, they're up to the same thing they was up to like, like way long time ago. They're still up to the same thing and you're thinking about, well, maybe this time I should talk to them. Well, maybe this time, maybe this time it'll be different. So how are you going to find out if this time is different without talking to them? Talk to God. Huh? Use discernment. Use discernment. Where are you going to get that from? From God. from God. 
Before you agree to talk to them, you need to first do what Nehemiah did, which was what? Talk to God and listen to God and then do what God say. Draw nigh to God, resist the devil, and he will what? Flee. Now, 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 now will he flee right away? Yes. Will he flee right away? Sometimes. sometimes and sometimes not. He wants to see what you're going to do. Why? Because he's on his game. How often is he on his game? All, all, did you say, what's the word always? How many hours a day? Always. How many days of the week? Always. Okay, and twice on Sunday? Always. And the question is, how often are you on your game? You got to get away from questioning your game and know, it works. and know that it works. Amen? And know that it works. And that's what we see being worked out here in Nehemiah's experience. And these things are written for our example. Amen? So that we can learn, so that we can know, so that God gets the glory out of our lives and we walk in biblical process. Say biblical, biblical. Process. process. Biblical process. God's process. How do we know it's God's process? Because the devil keeps trying to take us out, but God keeps on protecting us. He keeps on shielding us. He keeps on loving us keeps on blessing us. Amen? And so ultimately, did the wall get built? Yes. Now while the negative was going on, something supernatural was going on simultaneously. Say simultaneously. And sometimes when you're going through things and negativity is coming against you right, left, and center, something supernatural is going on for your benefit by God. Because, because the wall that Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem to build, it got built in a supernatural space of time. I mean, can you build a wall around a city in the space of time that the wall was rebuilt around the city when Nehemiah did it? Because in the Bible, when you read the book of Nehemiah, you will find out that the wall was built in 52 days. 52 days. And they didn't have any machinery. They didn't have earth movers. 52 days. So that means that, that the project, was Nehemiah a project manager? Oh my God. He was managing the project and resisting the devil. Managing the project and resisting the devil. Managing the project and pushing back opposition. Managing the project and making it happen while the adversary was coming against him. Come, come over here and talk to us. You can't do this. You can't do it. It ain't gonna never happen. 
And while they're in his face, he's got people over here working, people over there working. Supernaturally, the wall is getting built. Supernaturally, things are happening in your life by the power of God according to his process if you work it. Say, Lord, help me to work your process that takes me to my victory. More next time. God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.